I know one of the big mistakes I've made and learned from and still learning today is the time at which we evaluate the ROI on that investment. So if you really get clear on leverage as an investment and that the value of that investment, not just for you, but for the person you're investing in, is their ability to turn that investment into something. And I think I've sometimes thought of it, you know, when I've been in the wrong head mindset about it, I've thought about it as I'm giving them an opportunity and I owe it to them to give them this opportunity. What I've always come back to at the end of the day is that if that person isn't producing that ROI, I'm actually limiting their opportunity. Well, hello and welcome to the Color of Money podcast. Uh, friends, you are tuning in and I've got great news. We just went over the 4,000 listeners mark. Uh, since we started this not too long ago, we have 4,000 listeners who tune in to learn how to build wealth in their families and their communities, particularly in black and historically marginalized communities. So we're excited about that. Uh, we hope we have, we trust we have uh, provided you with some valuable information. You keep tuning in, so I'm guessing that we have. And and today is the exact same thing. Today, we're going to be having a conversation about leverage. Uh, here at KW, we have a Y4C2Ts that we we abide by, and the S part of it uh, is success results through others. So today we've got um, some fabulous people here to talk to you about how do you actually run all these businesses that we talk about running, run a real estate businesses, run your home, and uh, and and have success through others. How do you find people to help you? And so I am joined, of course, by my co-hosts. Uh, Bowman Keaty and Daniel Dixon, and we have a very special guest. You've seen her before or heard her before. Uh, Amina Blake Foreman ha- was with us before um, talking about net worth. It was good. I remember it was one of our best episodes. I remember that. But today, today we're going to talk about leverage with Amina because Amina actually, of course, as we know, runs a real estate team. Um, she's also been a coach for Keller Williams Maps. She is a coach for Keller Williams Maps. She's a KWU instructor. She was a team leader. Uh, she runs all these different things. She's an investor. That's what we were talking about on the last episode. She owns several businesses, including a business that actually helps people find people to help them. She has a business called Vibe which is a virtual internet-based employee company where she provides leverage to business owners and agents and supplies capable people to actually staff their companies. So we're going to have that conversation about uh, how to do that. So welcome, everyone. Welcome, uh, Amina. And of course, welcome, Daniel and Bo. Good morning, y'all. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Now, Amina, we when we think about um, virtual assistants, what I've always gone, what I've always thought about is all all virtual assistants ever are all live in the Philippines. That's the only place that we can have them. That's the only place you can get them from. And I think you changed that entire uh, knowledge base around where you can find virtual assistants, the time zones, which is a really, really important piece with your company. So tell us a little bit about how you got started in this journey on creating a, um, a leveraged based business like this. And then like, what was the need? What What, what came of it? And like all of us business owners, we get to the point where we're growing faster than we can have bodies to keep up the level of service and the flow of leads and business that are coming in. And I, I too, did go and hire a virtual assistant out of the Philippines and then had some struggles there. And like most entrepreneurial-minded people, we go, okay, here's a problem. How can I fix it? 
And the challenge were um, twofold, actually. It was first the language barrier that I had um, with my virtual employee at that point, where um, English wasn't her first language, although she was an amazing human and uh, we're still in contact to this day, we did have that challenge with communication. And then secondly, there were times where I felt bad giving her work because I knew it was late at night for her and being able to have her do these tasks and whether she was getting tired and all these different things. So I was like, what could I do? And being that I was born and raised in the beautiful island of Trinidad and Tobago, where there is high unemployment, I said, maybe I can hire. And it started with a family member that I just wanted to help out. And I said, okay, you have a need, I have a need, and we can mirror these two and create a win-win. So it started there. And then we decided, wait a minute, we can turn this into a full-blown business. And we did exactly that. And we're celebrating. We just celebrated. I just got back from Trinidad. We celebrated our three-year anniversary in business. And we're excited because we've now been able to place employees in and outside of the real estate industry. Really, anyone that's looking for a high level of talent that's on a similar time zone, they're on an Eastern time zone schedule. And um, English is their first language. They might have a little island vibe to them. However, it is... English is their first language and they're able to be an asset to your organization. And um, when we're talking about the color of money, we're talking about the color of leverage here. You can have leverage look like you if you choose to have that option. So we've really been proud of what we've been able to accomplish. And I think a lot of people, when, when we think about leverage, they don't know what people will do or what what can virtual assistants do exactly. Um, so what are some of the services that your your VA company um, leverages for for I always, I, okay, I always screw this up. I always say humans, virtual assistants. I always say like, they're not humans. They're certainly humans, but what, what services do they provide for people and business owners? Yeah. Anything that you would want them or, or that an employee that's living in the same location that you are can do for you. And they're just doing it from the comfort of their home. And we're, it's our mission in, in this company, in this virtual space is to really change the mindset of consumers that virtual leverage and virtual employees are only assistants. They are not. They can do, they're well-educated, hardworking. They can do anything. Um, and they also have different varying degrees of education and experience. So it's, yes, they can perform things like administrative tasks and answering emails and phones and all of that. That's one level to it. And that's typically a virtual assistant. But we do have virtual executives that we've been placed. We've able to place people in the roles of executive assistants. We've been able to place them as ISAs. We've been able to place them. We have our executive director for one of our companies is virtual. She basically built one of my companies for me, and she's a virtual employee. We have accountants that we've placed in um, accounting firms. So there is really no limit just like there is no limit to what we can achieve in terms of our finances and making the right investment. If you make the right investment in people, in human capital, there is no limit as to what they can do for you and your organization, how you can grow together. Or how you can scale so, for that. Matter. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. I had a question. So if, if I'm, you know, if I'm out here in the audience and I'm thinking like, I don't currently use uh, leverage in a virtual sense in any way. Um, how would you suggest to someone who's really done this at such a high level, how should someone be thinking about that? Like what are the tasks or the roles that lend themselves to being 
um, completed virtually versus in person? And how would somebody go about that process of determining what function to, to move virtually? And then how'd you go about finding the right partner in that space? Yeah. And well, I would mirror any of your current human resource practices, right? So if you do assessments, you can give them assessments in the same way to figure out if they're the right match or not in terms of personality traits. Um, but one of the things that I would say is, we really want to, if you're starting off very, very beginning, you just want to take stock of where you're spending your time, right? Doing that awareness exercise or having everyone in your organization do that awareness exercise to see where are they spending their time. And if someone, you're paying them for a role that you expect them to do higher dollar producing activities on a regular basis, and that's their 20%, that's going to provide 80% of value to your organization and they're spending themselves bogged down in the 80% work, that's when you look back and you say, okay, is this something that can be systematized that can go virtual? Um, and no, now COVID has given us a blessing because I think a lot of employers never thought of certain roles being virtual, but you look now and indeed, many of them, you'll see the ad say remote option. So there is now just think of it as work from home. If this is a job you think someone could do working from home, it is a job that can go virtual. And it's just about finding the right talent, setting up the schedule, Zoom or whatever virtual platform you use, meeting with them on a regular basis, making sure they Zoom into calls with your team and truly being part of your team. That's a big, I've found to be where people fail with virtual employment is where they don't integrate them into their team as they would someone who was in the location where they were. I want to drill down a little bit on what you said about the experience exercise, um, because I think a lot of people don't understand what they do all day. They work a full eight, but they have no idea what happened from nine to five. Right. I'll share it. We'll, we'll share it in the show notes. Uh, we have a something we call in our in our organizations called task audit. And so we literally just an hour long hour long um, alarm on your on your phone and every hour just write down what was happening in the last 60 minutes. It's not a good or bad. It's not a pass or fail. I was scrolling Facebook. I was on Instagram. I was doing nothing. The answers don't matter, but you can start really strategizing what needs to get done and what you can leverage when you have the exposure and the experience on, oh, that's what my day looked like today, right? What other, what other um, tools would you say can help you with that experience and, and understanding, um, you know, how do you, how, do you, how do you realize what you need a, a, a virtual assistant for? Yeah. Your, your, your inbox, too, gives you such <laughs> clarity when you look at either your text chain or your email chain to see where are you spending a lot of your time? What's a lot of the communication that's happening? It will cue you in. But that awareness or experience exercise, as you called it, is so, so powerful. I had a coach suggest that I do that probably going back 10 years, and it's changed my world. And whenever I get to the point with all the businesses and things we have running where I start feeling overwhelmed... I go back and I do that. And now I challenge, I do it every 30 minutes instead of an hour. I set that alarm. You do that for one day, two things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to have the most productive day you've had all month when you actually, because you're actually going to behave because you know you're watching yourself, which is a whole interesting concept in and of itself, right? Um, but you come out with a lot of awareness and knowledge where you can say, first of all, why am I wasting time doing this? This is something that just needs to get out of my life and my world. Secondly, you would find this is really important to me. And Dan, I know we're going to dive a little deeper into it. You might say, 
this is help that I need. It's important. It's for my kids. It's for my spouse. It might not even be for work. And you're doing that during work time sometimes. And you're like, okay, if I had the help at home, I wouldn't have to be sitting on Instacart ordering groceries right now if I had someone that was helping me do that. So it really gives you not just for business, for it, but for your entire life in all circles as to what you can do differently to better manage your time. Well, I, I've got a question because one of the barriers for a lot of people is they recognize that they're overtasked, right? And even probably doing tasks that are below their hourly dollar rate. But the con- the thought of having to pay somebody to do that is a barrier for a lot of people because oftentimes they'll say, I don't have enough money. I know there's someone on my team and she 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 just would not hire somebody to help. And no matter how much money she made in her head, she just kept saying, I can't afford to hire anybody. Uh, so how how do you help, or any of you can answer this because you all run multiple businesses, at, at what point do you identify that you need to actually spend some money and you need to take on the expense of getting help? Um, where How do you identify that? What's the next step? What's the How do you get over that limiting belief that you can't afford it? Yeah. I, I'd, I'd love to jump in on that. And I can't wait to hear what Bo and Dan have to say on this one. I think it, you have to get to the point, Julia, where you trust yourself to invest the time that you buy back. When you do higher leverage, you're buying back your time. But you have to get to the point where you trust yourself enough to know that when you buy that time back, you're actually going to reinvest that time into highly dollar-producing activities for yourself. So let's talk about it in the real estate world. If I hire an executive assistant and I buy time back, but instead of spending that time nurturing new relationships, meeting new relationships, generating new leads, I just wasted an opportunity to reinvest the time that I bought back. So the the point that you get comfortable, and I know that Brett Tanner did this exercise with us in KW Wealth, where you you took your goal and you divided it by 2,000 to come up with your hourly rate. So when you know what you are worth on an hourly basis, and you've made that commitment to yourself that... I am going to operate at my highest dollar producing activity because this is what my hours is worth. You build up your own confidence to take this leverage, but you have to have to promise to yourself that when I buy this time back, I am going to put it into my highest dollar producing activities and that will help you get more comfortable with leverage because otherwise you're going to invest in leverage and then you'll find out that maybe you have not brought in more business to make sure that that investment you need to see at least a four to one return on that investment. So if you're spending $20,000 a year to bring in this leverage, they should turn around and make you another 80,000. But it's also, it's not just on that leverage to do it. It's also on you and what you do with the time that you bought back. Yeah. Buying time back is the, is the key. And for a lot of listeners, even if what we've done inside of our world is even if you're buying your time back to spend more time with kids, Maybe we're not, that's not a dollar. We're not getting the 4X return, but you're getting what you can never buy back, which is time with your children. And so how, at the end of the day, it's we're reinvesting that time into something else that's going to give us peace of mind, quality of life, larger, more money, um, larger returns, like something in that lane. Bo, how do you, how have you, I mean, you, you have a massive empire. How have you used leverage and how have you found that leverage to be able to allow you to take on more and more things? Because we all have the same 24 hours in a day, but some some are able to do a whole heck of a lot more than others. Yeah, so many thoughts. I love I love what 
uh, Amina, what you and Daniel just said, because I do think it starts with, you know, fundamentally a mindset that says, so if I say I'm, I can't afford leverage, I think what I'm really saying is I can't make myself more valuable, right? So, so there's a growth mindset embedded in the leverage idea um, that somewhere along the way, I don't know whether it was because I, I realized I was so inadequate in getting me to where I wanted to be. Like I'd look at my goals and I'd go, well, here's the skills I got and I'm not going to get there. Um, we, we embrace this idea that you're going to need to have leverage. Now, I think there are others that have done perfected it much better than I. I kind of just went into it and made lots of mistakes and still make mistakes and tried to figure it out and get better at it. But I think there's kind of like a mindset that says, which for me has been really hard, this idea that your time is worth something, that, that your time has a value and that as you build a larger business, the value of that time needs to go up and the value of the people of who you leverage to has to go up. So you have to be leveraging activities that produce higher level results. And so I think that becomes the question. But starting, I think, is about a mindset that says, I believe that the time I can free up will allow me to go do something else that I can create more value in, which is going to allow me to then get more leverage. So the four to one is critical because what I'm going to do is I'm going to leverage an activity that I'm not good at or that I don't want to do or that has less value. So I can go do another activity to get more resources so that I can support more people in doing things that they're good at. And that moves us all forward. So I think that's been, been, been critical to it. The last piece I would say is I think we get stuck in, I know one of the big mistakes I've made and learned from and still learning today is the time at which we evaluate the ROI on that investment. So if you really get clear on leverage as an investment, and that the value of that investment, not just for you, but for the person you're investing in, is their ability to turn that investment into something. And I think I've sometimes thought of it, you know, when I've been in the wrong head mindset about it, I've thought about it as I'm giving them an opportunity and I owe it to them to give them this opportunity. But what I've always come back to at the end of the day is that if that person isn't producing that ROI, I'm actually limiting their opportunities. And so that's made me more comfortable with saying, hey, we're going to try this for 90 days. If it doesn't work, we're going to move on and go in a different direction. And so your liability, back to Julia's question, people think I'm going to hire a $50,000 person. You know, they think they're risking $50,000 when they really may only be, you know, risking $12,500 or something like that because they're really only looking at 90 days. Yeah. And holding it wildly accountable. That's a good point. You said 90 days. They're looking at 90 days. So tell me how that works, because here's my challenge. I've hired countless assistants. Most of them suck. Most of them are horrible. And I, and, and, that has, and I take full responsibility because clearly I was doing something wrong in the process. You said you're really only paying for 90 days. One, where did I go wrong? Right. Like where, where did I go wrong in the hiring process? And then when you say you're only for 90 days, are you saying that that's a trial period. That's a 90 day period. Yeah. So let's start the first thing. I think the key thing, and Amina brought this up. I think the key thing in hiring is to use a process. More important than even what that process is, is that you use a process. Because what I've found is that when I use a process, I hold myself accountable to going through those steps. And then I get feedback. But the feedback I normally get on my hiring process is like six months later or two years later. I realize that, oh, that was the part I missed. 
or that was the part I failed to align on, or I didn't really listen when they said that in that part. And having a structured process allows me to go back to the part of the hiring process that I need to improve on. So I think having a process up front, and we've got an amazing organization, um, and the way that we do uh, career visioning in KW gives you a really structured process that walks you through the different steps. The next piece is, in my mind, when we enter into a relationship to hire somebody, we're entering into a commitment to walk down a, a process, an action training process that has milestones. And this is where I think the hardest part to do is to say, okay, here is the first 30, 60, 90 days of your employment. Here are the things we're going to do. Here are the competencies that you're going to develop during that time. And here are the milestones. And if you ever seen like the growth control graph that, that talks about how you got to really invest a lot more focus in the beginning, I think this is where I, I'm like, I got a person. Great. Run. Go. You can do it. I'm going to cheer for you. You know, I did it all myself. You figure that out. I'm done. I'm on to the next thing. Right. But that engagement during those first 90 days is so important. And tracking people against milestones um, is so important because what I've learned is that if people are off in the first 90 days, they don't, it never gets better. And the first 90 days is the best 90 days. So it doesn't get better. And if it's not working the first 90 days, your best job would be to cut it. And that's not just for you. I want to say that to you. it's not just for you and your business. That's for the person that you put in that opportunity. Because when they chose to go be part of your organization, they entrusted their career and their development to you. And if they are underperforming in their work life, then they're, they're losing. They're actually losing. You're not doing them a favor by keeping them in that position. So, yes, we, we give people 90 days. If you don't get there, you need to go. I appreciate that. I need to clean up what I said in case any of my previous assistants are listening. <laughs> I was talking about the other ones, not you, right? Like, <laughs> the other ones. <laughs> but uh, thank you for clarifying the 90-day the thing. Daniel, you said something also that I wanted to touch on. You talked about leverage in your house. I know we're talking about leverage for the business, right? We're talking about leverage for your business, hiring people to may or may not be an assistant. Amina said you can hire executive level people, but Daniel was talking about leverage in the home. How does, what were you referring to Daniel and how does that look? So when, when Brett had me do that exercise and break down your cost per Wait, hour. I have a new rule. I have a new rule. We cannot say Brett's name until Brett comes on this podcast. Everybody talk, <laughs> talks about Brett, 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 Brett has not been on the podcast yet. So until Brett comes on the podcast, anyways, you were saying, Daniel, I was actually just <laughs> with him the last few days and um, we were talking about having him as a guest on. So hopefully we'll get oh, him on good. in the next okay. few weeks. Okay. <laughs> so when you do, when you do that exercise and you break down your cost per hour and you understand that like there's there, I can either hire cleaners and come once or twice a week to keep my house in order I can hire a nanny to be able to pick up the kids, ship them around different places. When you start thinking about the highest and best use of your time, oftentimes it's not doing the things like cleaning the house. What's going to be more important and more impactful? Spending that quality time watching a movie with the kids or doing the dishes while the kids are on their devices? So it's just little little things and little thought processes like that to then think about what else can I, what else can I um, leverage inside of my home to allow me to spend more quality time with my spouse or with my kids or shoot alone time. That's like fluff and fold, having somebody do your laundry. That's ordering groceries and having them delivered so you don't have to go to the grocery store. That's hiring cleaners, hiring a nanny, helping out around the house. Um, just leveraging your spouses has been instrumental in my home. Um, 
because when we started building the leverage piece of our business and I had my time back, my wife wanted my time to help out around the house. I'm like, no, 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 no. That wasn't, that wasn't the agreement. We didn't give this 30, 60, 90 and hire someone and hold them accountable to get time back to go home and mow the lawn. Like that, that wasn't part of the agreement. So just thinking about what are the, it's really a reflection exercise to understand what are all the things that I do? What, what is my, what does my week look like? What are all the activities and the things that the kids have to go to and the things that are required for the household to, to run smooth? And then what would it cost if I outsourced some of that? And how could I make that money back somehow? How could I generate more revenue in my, in my businesses to create more leverage in my personal life to allow the home to flow a little bit easier and allow more quality time with the children and, um, just, it creates more peace in my opinion than trying to share that. Like I, I, not that I don't know how to do, I mean, I do, to be honest, I do dishes when I'm mad. So the household knows if dad, if dad's doing dishes, there's something happening. I'm not in a good mood, but outside of that, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, um, things that happen inside the household that my wife or I do because we want to spend more quality time with each other and with the kids. So leverage is an instrumental piece of buying that time back to then go reinvest it in something else or someone else. So you can continue to grow and just grow personally, professionally, financially, all the things to go get cleaners. Start there. I love that. And I, Julie, I know that some people are going to be listening and saying, well, oh, great for them because maybe they can afford to do that. I think what we want to understand is that leverage comes in two forms, right? It's either people or systems and tools, right? So until you get to the point where you're comfortable leveraging with people and taking on those expenses and trust yourself enough to be able, you can start off with systems, right? He mentioned ordering on Instacart. That's not a hire, but instead of going to the grocery store hungry and picking up everything in sight, you can order exactly what you need on Instacart and have that delivered. So that is a system that you can use for leverage. And in our businesses, there's plenty of those examples that we can use until we build up enough to feel comfortable to leverage in terms of people. I just thought it was important to point that out because uh, some people just don't know where to even start thinking of leverage. And I think it really starts with understanding, stop the question of I can't afford and change the, change the question to yourself to say, how can I? If you start changing that little piece inside of your language and the way that your brain processes that information, you will start finding ways on how you achieve things. So how can I how can I afford cleaners? How can I get Instacart to work in a certain way? How can I get how can I afford a virtual assistant to keep my inbox clean, um, respond to emails and not have to have me stressed or bogged down in in my inbox? Change that little pivot in, in the way that we communicate with ourselves and you're going to start finding pathways out on how we can actually achieve this. I think it's so powerful. Like I just know for me, I always tell the story of how, how powerful the mindsets that we develop as kids from our families and our environments, how much they stick with us. And I don't know what other folks, you know, deal with. But I know for me, one of those was that it was like, you always are going to have to work harder. And it was <laughs> sort of honest pays wage, you know, honest day's wage for honest day's work. And I always tell the story when my mother made me give back money because she thought I hadn't like worked hard for it when I was a kid. I hadn't worked hard. I'd, 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 I'd charged too much and not worked as long as I said, even though I'd done the job that I said I would do. And that sticks with me today. So I do think part of what Daniel's saying 
is 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 about how we think about ourselves in a different way. And I know that for a lot of, I just know that a lot of people I run into that come from some of the backgrounds that we come from, one of the questions is, is not feeling, I feel awkward when somebody cleans my house. I feel awkward if I leave the office and there are people still working. I would literally stay in the office because I was worried that my team's working. I need to be working too. But the biggest got bigger and I was always in the office because I could never leave because something was always <laughs> going on. And I had to accept this idea that my time might be valuable to a certain way. And whatever way that is in your life, if that's a small amount of leverage or if it's giving yourself the time to heal, I think there's something very like, self-love, giving yourself the opportunity to move through that, that is heavy on people's minds oftentimes when they go there that we don't really talk about. That's a really good point. Bo, you reminded me, Kemba, actually, very, very, very smart woman that you happen to be married to, right, said something (laughs) one time that really changed my perspective because um, she she mentioned that it's not who cooks the meal, it's who's there to eat and enjoy the meal together. And like I had identified at one point that being home and especially being from the West Indies and whatnot, being home and actually cooking the meal, like I'm not a good wife or mother if I'm not like cooking for my family. And that was so liberating when I heard her say that. I'm like, wait a minute. She's so right. If I'm there. You know, so if you're there to be present and enjoy it, even though you weren't the one that prepared it, it's it it just it does take for us some self love and and understanding and just forgiving ourselves and knowing that I can be a great mom in many other ways. Cooking the meal is just not one of them. Well, you know what I mean. I think that's a, a conversation we've had a lot of. I've I've worked hard to make sure that we have an equal amount of women on as men on because a lot of these conversations we have. Uh, men who are on talking about their their success and their wealth, and a lot of their wives are at home cooking, you know, and taking care of the kids, and that's their wife's job. And so I, I try to make sure that we have an equal amount of women on who are not at home cooking, and like, what does our world look like? So it's interesting that you say that's okay. So I, I'm I'm fascinated by that because your husband is okay with you not being the one cooking, right? And that is, as women, we think, I got to go home. I got to cook. I got to actually do all these businesses, run all these businesses, wear all of these hats. And then I still got to go home and make sure that I make dinner because that's what a wife is supposed to do. And, uh, and, and so it's interesting to hear you say, no, what we're supposed to do is make sure people are fed. And they are, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, can you, you, can you own... This idea, Julia, right, that somebody can own an area and, and, and you know, you, you, Amina brought Kimber, I think she's done a good job. You can own an area of life without having to be the one that does that area of life. You, you do that in business. Like people get the opportunity in business to own the business and direct it and be responsible for it, but they don't do every function. And I think we think and we've conditioned ourselves you know, to expect also too. I think this is about, you know, as a man, like how, what is the expectation? Can, are you facilitating someone, someone can own a domain of life without having to be the one that does all the tasks. I love that. It actually is, uh, that's actually biblical. Proverbs 31 is the, she, she, she actually was overseeing the workers uh, and, and tending to the house as a wife. But anyways, that's, I, I love that you brought that up because I think for a lot of women who are running businesses, that becomes a burden and a challenge of feeling like they need to be all things 
instead of uh, oversee and man- we're good at managing. We can manage all things, but not actually do all things. Yeah. I think it's again the mindset play. When we were when we were looking at getting leverage in our household, my wife is Hispanic, and in her culture, like the wife takes care of everything inside the house, and so leveraging that was a big mindset shift for her and allowing allowing that to happen so then we could reinvest the time other places so it's and i feel like every episode we talk about mindset in some capacity (laughs) thinking bigger opening your mind thinking differently healing traumas like it's always something around having the mindset and being able to see and reflect and understand where do i want to go where am i at and then how do i build build the bridge to get there cool well as we as we wrap up this has been awesome amina um i think again Leverage is the key. Leverage is the new hustle. Leverage is the way that you go to the next level. Um, because whether it's hiring a buyer's agent, hiring a virtual assistant, hiring an assistant, hiring a transaction coordinator, a buyer's agent, like there's so many things inside of our business where leverage allows you to go to the next step. So I appreciate you diving into this and having this conversation about this because I think it's incredibly important for people to buy their time back, um, understand how valuable their time is. And then understand where do I want to go and, and how do I get there and who can I lock arms with to help me get there? Because leverage is not something that's bought. Leverage is something that's taught. We partner with you. We teach you. We coach you. We lean in with you. And we essentially grow this whole thing together. Julia Bo, any last words before we wrap up with Amina? Nothing from me. I appreciate you being here. Great. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Follow the Color of Money podcast today and get notified when new episodes are released weekly. Be part of this transformative listening experience. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. The views, thoughts, and opinions of the guest represent those of the guest and not KWRI and its affiliates and should not be construed as financial, economic, legal, tax, or other advice. This podcast is provided without any warranty or guarantee of its accuracy, completeness, timeliness, or results from using the information. 